Podcast where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about Derek C. and France's 2010 drama Blue Valentine, starring Michelle Williams. Blue Valentine tells the non-linear story of a young couple, Dean and Cindy, who have problems. You got any, like, talents? Like, hidden talents? I'll play a song and you dance. Right here behind the heart, in front of the heart. Okay. What did it feel like when you fell in love? You want to be careful that the person that you fall in love uh, is worth it. Do not touch the young lady in my taxi. I feel like men are more romantic than women. When we get married, we marry like one girl because we're resistant the whole way. But it seems like girls get to a place they just kind of pick the best option. I don't ever want to be like my parents. They must have loved each other at one time, right? God damn it! You okay? You gonna tell me what's going on? I want you to tell me what's going on. I want to know. It's probably 11 and a half, 12 weeks. It's in a safe position for the procedure. Let's do it. Let's be a family. I give you this ring. As a symbol. As a symbol. Of my solemn vow. Of my solemn vow. And everlasting love. And everlasting love. You may kiss the bride. It's not just us. We got a little girl we got to think about. Did you get a chance to talk it over with your family yet? I'm asking you, please, let's get out of here. We got to get out of here. Take off, you leave me, you don't tell me what's going on. How do you trust your feelings when they can just disappear like that? I'm done, okay? I've got nothing left for you. There is nothing here for you. Like our song, that would just be for you and me. Because everybody's got songs, but they're lame. And they all share them, not us. We have our own song. Sea and France wrote the script with Joey Curtis and Cami Delevingne. Sea and France based it off of his own parents, Ouch. who divorced when he was 20 years old, and he was so devastated that he wanted to do a film that would help him figure out how a relationship began and ended. Wow. wow. There's a lot there. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to say this movie did not get to me the way you might have thought, but that just, like, devastated me. Yeah, that was rough. All right, then. That was almost there. That's a fun fact right there. What a fun fact. Oh, I have to watch my. this movie again, like, immediately. God. <laughs> with that in mind. <laughs> well, I want to watch it again anyway, but yeah, maybe. Maybe watch it with Logan. Just press on every bruise I have. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Why it not? was so funny. No, 
not funny, but it was interesting. Last night, they were like, what movie are you potting about? And we said Blue Valentine. And they were like, can I watch Blue Valentine? And I was almost like, spitting. <laughs> seems like that would be a very potentially triggering movie. <laughs> but, you know, we bring the perspective of we are not sad when couples yeah. get divorced. You know, we're not like, necessarily sad. Yeah. I didn't see this as an especially sad movie. Like, I wanted them to split up. I mean, it is yeah. sad if you think about how much destruction their relationship did to themselves and each other. That's very sad. Hopefully the end is hopeful in the sense that they're going to work on healing. Like, the healing starts then. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. What's fascinating to me is that there are people who think that the end is ambiguous. What? Really? Yeah. Like, the people, I guess people who need shit spill the fuck out for them. Right. Oh, my God. The only thing I think is conceivably ambiguous and even then I still think it's crazy to think this but like yeah. the idea that maybe he's gonna walk away and they'll never see him again I don't think that's the case yeah no but, I mean, the question of if they're getting divorced or not. I can't believe there are people who are like, maybe they're going to work it out. Oh, Why? my What? People <laughs> just like things no, to be you. tied up in a bow at the end. And I it, think yeah. that's the problem why there's so much stigma to divorce that people stay in bad marriages for much longer than they should because there's this automatic stigma to it. Why would you look at this movie and think, like, yeah, they right. should stay and work it out? Unless you just have that so internalized that divorce is always bad. Yeah. Yeah. I I read that the director likes making movies that explore how complicated and full of anguish and how hard relationships are. When he was growing up, he would feel like movies that he watched, he would walk out of them like, why isn't my life like this? Why aren't my teeth that white? Why aren't my parents like this or whatever? And talking about how complex relationships are and how hard they can be can be a sort of a cathartic process, which I thought was interesting, being able to see the whole picture of how things got to be how they are. The catharsis part, it was kind of interesting because I, I feel like I'm just like, Maybe talking about the movie will help get it out of my system. <laughs> you feel a little traumatized. I feel like, oh, this really stuck with me. I thought that I would have this, like, oh, I'm team Cindy or I'm team Dean feeling or whatever. But I kind of had moments where I saw why they're feeling like that, you know? You empathize with both of them in different... In so. different moments, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think she kind of calls it out at the end. She's like, we need to stop treating each other like this. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just tell We're me. not good together. We're not good anymore. Don't the way that, that we baby. treat each other. I can't stop. You can't stop. I can't stop. I don't know what else to do. I can't stop. I can stop. And, no. She never says, you need to stop treating me like this. She really does take some ownership of yeah. some of it. Although, I mean, I definitely have I think she's being pretty generous there. Like, yeah. She is. I mean, he's not all bad. No, I don't know. I, I definitely don't have as much empathy for him now as I did when I first saw the movie yeah, in 2010. I remembered feeling really bad for his character but after watching it now i did not feel like that he had a lot of stuff that he did was personal stuff that he needs to do with that he's not even acknowledging at all he really is behaving as if he's doing everything right and she's just not seeing that yeah and that's definitely not what's going on <laughs> when two people are just incompatible you can say okay the blame lies in both camps he was just like yeah. refusing to see it he was like we can't be incompatible because i love you yeah he just right. couldn't accept yeah. it he doesn't take ownership of his behavior and well, his actions right. 
I also feel like that was their dynamic for their whole relationship was her not being nearly as into him as he was into her, her sort of being too good for him. Not like in any specific way, but I feel like she was sort of the prize that he won. You just saw that play out the whole way through. And this was the part that was the most relatable for me. It's like I just felt like she was never going to love him as much as he loved her, building so much resentment on his end. Yeah. When you're in that, it's like nothing is ever good enough for you. Yeah. Like, so I didn't see it. It was like, oh, he was so bad. I mean, I didn't think he was like great. That's what I thought was ultimately what was wrong with them as a couple was she sort of settled for him. Yeah. And I don't mean that like in any way about him that he wasn't good enough or smart enough or classy, you know, just in her feelings. He was crazy about her and she just was like, okay, yeah, he'll do. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, obviously he was better than her baby daddy, right? That guy was such a dick. Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. His name is crazy. <laughs> Bobby <laughs> Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my hot probs. I find that name so distracting. You're never gonna guess who I said the liquor mark. Richard Rico? <laughs> no, but good guess. John Bon Jovi. Bobby Ontario. This is such that a is real a movie, name. and then his name is yeah. Bobby Ontario. Right. I was like, <laughs> I wonder if there's some reason for that. That's like some code for yeah. some guy that he knew whose name was really like Joe Toronto or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like there's something there. <laughs> it's still a weird name, but I know what you're saying. Right. Yes. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. There's right, a real first name, city in Canada. <laughs> right, there's a real person somewhere with a weird name, and this character is like a goof on him. That's really funny to me. <laughs> Woo, Joey Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that that is correct. Um, I have some hot problems that are just my problems with Dean. I guess my main problem with Dean, and this is a scene that I didn't really get when I first saw the movie, which was in 2010. So. I had a baby, but it wasn't far into the parenthood situation. We were both still kind of waking up and... Anyways, what happens is he is on, like, morning duty to let mom sleep in. And sleeping in doesn't really mean sleep in. It means don't wake her up stupid early. She gets to sleep (laughs) until 8 or something. Uh But then they're like, we're hungry. Let's wake her up. And then they wake her up in the most obnoxious way. (laughs) And he makes the kid complicit in the waking up obnoxiously, which is fucked up. I'm sleeping. Stop. It's too early. We're tigers. No. Stop. Come on, I get to sleep anymore. He wakes her up to make oatmeal, which is like the easiest thing in the world (laughs) to make. Literally just add water. (laughs) And then. He criticizes the oatmeal. Well, the daughter, criticizes Frankie, criticizes the oatmeal, but then he's totally supportive of that. I don't like it. Why don't you like it? It's just yucky. Baby, what'd you do? Just put water in that? Yeah, it's instant oatmeal. Yeah, but you gotta soak the oats. Come here, let's eat like leopards. That'll make it better. Here, just eat the raisins, okay? At least. Oh, come on, Dean. I don't need to clean up after two kids. Frankie, Frankie, use a spoon, honey. You know Wait a minute, we're eating like leopards. Come on, show your daddy how you use a spoon. You're a big girl now, huh? Yeah, you know how to use a spoon. You're a big one. girl. You're a big girl now, sweetheart. Don't have any fun. Stick it on your face. Frankie, we're leaving in two minutes. 
fuck you, dude. Yeah. You did not need to wake me up for this, and now you're criticizing it, and you're right. not helping me, and this is, this is so messed up. What a shitty way to start the longest, shittiest day. She's put in this position where she's the parent in the whole mm-hmm. situation. He's just very jokey and isn't he's, serious about yeah, what needs right. to happen for the day. He's you know. forcing her into the bad cop situation. Right, like, yeah. Let's eat like leopards. Oh, isn't that cute? But he's making a fucking mess. And she's got to be the one to be like, don't make a mess. Right, and yeah. And then she seems like a killjoy, and that's why Frankie's so into him, is because he's like another kid, and it's not helpful. I feel like it's a thing where there are dads who are like, you're actually being more of an uncle. <laughs> this would be a better fit than actual dad. Right, or maybe like part-time parent. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why don't you take this kid for a weekend, and then you can do whatever you want, and let me be the actual parent. I didn't get that at all the first time I saw it. How fucked up that is as a way to start this day. Just the levels of fucked upness that are going on there. Yeah. And then he blames her for the dog being dead, essentially. How many times did I tell you to lock the fucking gate? You don't know what happened. It doesn't matter now. The dog's... Right. That, like, that's the right. thing it's like it, when something bad happens that someone's like I want to make sure you feel worse about it yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah. thought that was you I didn't like that right. fuck you <laughs> she's yeah. already upset clearly it's not like she came in all smug about it or she was blaming him it was just no need for that at all yeah, she's already crying I think he was probably mad at her because she was late to the recital and he was like I'm a better parent because I was on time with the recital but she was late because she was at work right. she had to leave work she spent the morning Xeroxing lost dog signs. She's eating a meal in the car on the way there. All that hidden mom shit. She's and done a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this day is so long. I forgot that the present was all one day. Then every time you see her back in that same outfit, I'm like, oh god, it's the same what? day. Oh, this is so horrible. <laughs> Oh, long, long day. Oh, another hard probably have though is why does he look so much worse in the present day when it's only been like five years? <laughs> oh, yeah, they really made his hair thin a lot. His receding hairline, I guess, to make it seem like he's older. Five years, my God. <laughs> yeah, when I put that together, because it just seems like, okay, this was a long time ago when they first met, and then when you realize that's when she got pregnant, that seems like it's farther in the past. Than <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's nuts. I don't know what's going on there. He definitely has a alcohol problem. So, I mean, maybe he just oh. aged a little bit more because of that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. He's not taking care of himself. Yeah. It's funny how they go on this special trip. He's still, like, wearing his painter's pants. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he change his clothes? I mean, maybe that's supposed to reflect partly how when he first met her, he was doing his best to win her over. And now that he has her, he doesn't have to... <laughs> Lift a finger in it. Right, you know? yeah. Or he's definitely doing the bare minimum, yeah. Right. Let's have a romantic getaway. I have a coupon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he tries to make it seem like this is all by design. She's talking about, like, I wish you had a job where you didn't start drinking at 8.30 in the morning. And he's like, I get to have a job where I can do that. I'd like to see you have a job where you didn't have to start drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning to go to it. No, I have a job that I can drink at 8 o'clock in the morning. What a luxury, you know? I get up from work, I have a beer, I go to work, I paint somebody's house, they're excited about it, I come home, I get to be with you, what's, like, this is the dream. And then he's like, all I want to do is be Frankie's dad and be your husband. And that's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. That's what I want to do. I work so I can do that. 
it's just a lot to put on someone and then absolve himself of wrongdoing like this is all what I wanted and it's obviously not the life that either of them wanted you know <laughs> I mean he's just so deluded it really is hard to believe him when he says no I'm perfectly happy this is all you you're just not seeing this correctly that does seem like what what he's saying <laughs> Is you're just not viewing this in the right way. Yeah, that was a little gaslighty. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess my hot problems are just how shitty he is. <laughs> well, I didn't like in the end how Frankie is really upset. My dad is walking away crying and leaving me on 4th of July. And then she's just like, don't cry. The kid knows something bad is happening. Don't tell your kid not to cry. Something's fucked up, you know? I mean, hopefully Cindy takes Frankie back in the house and explains something yeah. to her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't cry. That, but... It's not like he's gone forever. You're never going to see, you know. The kid might literally think like he's just leaving and never coming back and she'll never see him again. That could be, yeah. The hot prob kind of revolves around one shitty thing after another that they do to each other. You see her family life, how she grew up. We're supposed to eat this garbage? Huh? Sorry. Do you want me to make you some eggs? No! I want you to enjoy your goddamn dinner! Her dad is a bully and her mom is trying to not have her dad be angry. One of the saddest moments in the movie for me was when she says to her boss, oh, I thought you wanted me to come work there because I was good at my job. Oh, hey, you know what I was thinking? Uh, I realized it might be hard for you to move the whole family up to Riverdale because your daughter's still in school and everything. And I thought maybe you get an apartment. You know, work during the week, drive home on the weekends. Wouldn't have to worry about being lonely. We could hang out together, you know, get dinner sometime. Anyway, that was not a proposition. It was just, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, just trying to help. I thought you wanted me there because I'm good at my job. Yeah, I thought. Anyway, uh. That was the saddest part to me. So I know, I don't condone violence, but I am glad that guy got punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that line is so devastating and the way she delivers it and it's so telling. Because she wanted to be a doctor. But here she is, she didn't get to go to medical school for whatever reason. We can assume, but we don't know for sure why. So she's like, okay, I'm just going to be really good at being a nurse. We don't know if she is or not, but she thought she was making progress and that she has this realization. And she doesn't necessarily know if it means that she's not good at her job or not. All she knows is she thought she was doing well at this particular job and now she realizes it was all because this guy is hitting on her. Yeah, Dean doesn't really... There's no indication in the movie that he really is supportive of her career. And then in the flashbacks, he's trying to flirt with her, but he's like, you're too pretty to study medicine or something like that. And she's like talking into the dinner table with her family like about oh, this professor really thinks I have potential 
potential or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's like, Professor Comstock. There's one teacher in particular that I, I really enjoyed getting to know, and um, she says that I have a lot of potential. What's her name? Um, Professor Comstock. Comstock? What's <laughs> <laughs> so funny about that? <laughs> Teachers, they just always have these names, you know, it's never like... It's very subtle, but he's so absorbed with his brokenhearted boy or whatever. He's just kind of looking at her in this very tunnel vision, like, I'm going to take care of you. We're going to be a family. But it's Mm -hmm. really putting her in a box and and not letting her be anything else. Right. He wants her to need him. He thinks she's too good for him, and he doesn't want her to realize that. (laughs) That she doesn't actually need this guy at all. Yeah. He was plan B for her, but he was really there for her in that critical, like, I mean, he got his ass kicked and he still wanted to be with her and it seemed like it was really quick. Oh, you're pregnant. Okay. It's not his, but he's like, okay, we're going to do this. I think they really did love each other in the beginning, but it's not enough to sustain a relationship. I always have a hot problem when someone like doesn't go through with an abortion in a movie. (laughs) I don't know how often that happens in real life, but I feel like it happens more in movies and people get all the way to the clinic and then they're like, no, I can't do it. But I really thought he saw that as like his opportunity. If she has this baby, she needs somebody. It's more than just she needs a ride home from the abortion clinic. Now she's gonna be long term. Like this is my shot. Yeah, I think you're right. I saw that whole scene as like very opportunistic. Yeah. Also, I agree with you that they really loved each other at some point. For him, it seems very calculated. Keep the baby. That's my in. Even admits when they're getting married, he's like, (laughs) I want them to do it faster because I'm worried you're gonna change your mind. What are you thinking about? Especially hurry up so you can't change your mind. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It seems cute and funny at the time, but when you think about it, it's like, no, he's really fucking serious. It's a lot of pressure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Woo! There's a lot that I relate to. I remember in the months leading up to my wedding, my friend. Interesting, I just realized this was basically my only friend when I lived in Boston. I just remember her joking, like, you're not going to be walked down the aisle, you're going to be dragged because I was so ambivalent about getting married. That's like a red flag. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. If one person feels very, very unsure about actually wanting to do that, probably not a great setup. That is interesting. Yeah. Like cold feet. There's always a no, everybody gets cold feet, whatever. But do they? Yeah. I just really wish that she could have gone through with that abortion. It changed the whole trajectory of her life. It I really think. did. I know. Yeah. And if he hadn't been there, maybe she would have come back later. Right. I feel like she stops it because it's so uncomfortable physically. Breathe deeply, slowly, deeply. What I'm going to do is apply an instrument so I can hold the cervix still. Shouldn't Mm -hmm. feel this. Maybe a little pressure, a little move. Are you okay? Cindy. Okay. 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 Stop. Sorry, and I will stop. All right. You want to sit up? Uh Okay. All right. You want me to just 
stop the whole procedure. Is that mm -hmm. correct? All right. I'm going to step out. It's so hard to watch, like, all the speculum going in. <laughs> I feel like she's just freaking out. And yeah. it's so much because of the physical part. And I'm like, it's not going to be better to give birth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't do this. There's going to be a lot more stuff up there. I think you might be right. Maybe she's just mistaking the uncomfortableness of the procedure for, like, this feels wrong. Right. Yeah. When it's really just like, well, it's just going to hurt a little bit. But let him get the anesthesia going, and then it'll be better. I guarantee you this is much better than... Yeah. The alternative in this particular scenario. She just didn't have anyone that mm -hmm. she could go to in her life. Her grandma was so old and her parents or that shitty guy who like presume. I mean, I guess Joey like, Toronto. yeah, and she's so young. I can see how she's just like this guy really wants to be with. I mean, she didn't really have anybody else, you know, she didn't. And then her grandma saying she didn't really love her grandpa. Uh, yeah. That whole reveal. What did it feel like when you fell in love? Oh. oh, dear. I don't think I found it. Even with grandpa? Maybe a little in the beginning. Oh. He didn't really have any regard for me as a person. You ought to be careful of that. You ought to be careful that, that the person that you fall in love uh, is worth it to you. I feel like all of that is just pushing her towards this guy who, just because he's nice to her, she's like, oh, well, it's not going to get any better than that. Right. It's sort of like, this is as much as you can expect. Right. That's so Like, sad. if nobody you know believes in love, really then you're going to be convinced that it's you. There's something wrong with you because you don't feel it. And if this person loves me so much, then that must be the closest I'm going to get to love. I feel like we have this toxic idea about having a family. Like with the abortion, maybe you don't want to have kids and then you have a kid and it's like, we're all going to love the kids so much and it's going to be fine. I feel like our culture has these ideas about starting a family is going to make people happy or something, mm -hmm. but that's not always yeah, the case. Just, right. If I have a baby, and it's going to sort itself out. I mean, out. people sometimes yeah. have kids because they think that'll help their relationship too. And that's just like, oh God. I don't know what she was thinking, but there's a lot of fantasy that's well, with that. Well, I think it's, it's mm -hmm. one of the few things that are considered a guarantee in life. You might not graduate from med school. You might not end up being a doctor. Anything that you might do may or may not work out. But it's like if you have a kid, like, you're not going to not be a parent. Like, right. that's a solid guarantee. If you're like, what am I going to do with my life? Well, you do this, you've done that with your life. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, five years from now, it didn't work out. I'm not a parent anymore. Although, Dean says his mom left. I mean, it's not yeah. like, like, moms I do leave. Right. But yeah, I know what you right, said. The guarantee, the most guarantee you could possibly have is like, I'm going to love this child. That's the and one that's of the most That's not even the guarantee. Like, but it's like the closest to a certainty. And for somebody like her, where she didn't have a lot of certainty. Like, there was no security, like you're saying. Her mom isn't even helpful at home because her mom is, like, this scared little rabbit trying not to upset her dad. She's very much alone in the world. I can see how she got to that point, even though it was a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. And the idea, like, if people just need to know more, I think you just need to be reminded more that you can make another baby if you really right. feel like you're going to want a baby with this guy. Right. Get the abortion yeah. now. Yeah. Sleep on it. You're Clearly, it's yeah. easy for you to get pregnant. Just right. do it again another time. You're not ready yet. Like, <laughs> don't do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> have that abortion. That's what I'm saying. Have, right. That's, like, the biggest takeaway from this movie is have that abortion. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a really... 
damaging thing how people, when they get in a pro-life, pro-choice debate, and like, well, nobody is pro-abortion. Like, actually, I am. I'm super yeah. pro-abortion. I don't yeah. have to pretend it's, like, a necessary evil or something. I'm pro-abortion the way I'm pro-pap smear. Like, if you need one, you should have one, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's another thing that we should remove some stigma from. Yeah. Thank <laughs> God, for real. <laughs> That's definitely a hard thing to remove stigma from, but I really, really yeah. do think we should work on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's running on my ever popular It's, it's, it's hard because it's just so much misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like the people who are anti usually don't really understand what it is. Yeah, they're killing a baby. No, not yeah. really. It's a clump of cells. It's okay. Oh my god. Honestly, even if you see it that way, I feel like, well, you still have the right to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like if you absolutely if you're a vegetarian or a meat eater, you don't look at a cow and debate whether it's really a living thing that you're killing to eat. You know, it's true. You debate. Do you have the right to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really think it's, like, killing a baby, but even if it's, like, a little bit killing a baby, even I if it's like, thing. you still have the right to... And I actually would love to see some statistics on how many anti-choice people are vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Florida, if you go on any, like, highway, like I-75 near Gainesville, every other billboard is, like, about a baby stopping a beating heart or, like, a picture of a baby face and... Yeah. All anti-abortion stuff shows it's, like, an 11-month-old baby. <laughs> There are people who believe that's a normal thing, Mm -hmm. like, that that happens all the time. I just changed my mind. (laughs) I was going to give birth next month, but (laughs) (laughs) it was a perfectly healthy baby, but I just changed my mind. (laughs) That's a whole other, that's for abortion palooza. Oh, yeah. Do another one of those. Uh, I'm glad that no homo is over. Oh, right. That's not cool. Don't care for that. Oh, and then another thing I never noticed before is that he has a tattoo of the giving tree on his arm. Oh, yeah, I noticed that, too. Oh, gosh. What a big fucking red flag. Ew. That's not his... No. It goes with his... He does? I don't know. I mean, I just didn't want to... Ryan Gosling, no. Don't be that guy. Ryan Gosling, giving tree. Fuck that book. Fuck that book. It's not a good book. Until I was, like, an adult, I never realized how messed up that book was. Oh, my God, you're right. He does. That's so messed up. He does? Why? I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, it does go with his character. It goes with his character, but I, but I, I don't want him to be that guy. guy. I do hate that book, but I also hate even more people who act like the book is a beautiful story. Of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a beautiful How relationship. Can you just say thank you. you know? Never. Right. He's just like, oh, I slowly killed you. Whoops. I know. Let me uh. sit on your dead stump. <laughs> and the tree was happy. Like, the tree's not happy. <laughs> Yeah. The tree is dead. Why would the tree be happy? That makes no sense. Oh, I'm so upset. I didn't realize that was his real tattoo. Ugh, gross. (laughs) Ryan, call me. We have to. (laughs) You gotta turn that into something else. Yes. (laughs) Basically anything else. (laughs) Right. I do think one thing that was kind of funny is when he says, All I want to do is be your husband and be Frankie's dad. Is because when you look at it, as some people say, it's like a spiritual sequel to Say Anything. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so very Lloyd Dobler. Like, all I want to do is be your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to hang out with your daughter. So, Lloyd, you graduated Lakewood, right? Yes, sir. What are you going to do now? Yeah, Lloyd. What are your plans for the future? Spend as much time possible with Diane before uh, she leaves. 
Seriously, Lloyd. I'm totally and completely serious. This is We're what happens. Three. Right. This is what happens when you marry Lord Dobler. Yeah. <laughs> it does not end well. <laughs> Oh my god. I hadn't heard of that before about Say Anything, but mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. You can't pick a song for a couple. I had a big problem with that too. He's like, I picked our song. Because everybody's got songs, but they're lame. And they all share them. You know, it's disgusting. Not us. We have our own song. He's just got this. He's very controlling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his idea of forced romance is just, I mean, it's. Such a hostage situation. Right. Yeah. How, like, that room has no windows. It really does feel it's kind just... of like a prison. <laughs> the future room. Yeah, and the fact that it's called the future room when yeah. they, like, have no future. I guess that was the Poconos, right? They lived in Pennsylvania, so mm -hmm. I was assuming those mid-century love motel or whatever. Yeah, Fantasy idea, hotel. Yeah. It's apparently a real motel. If I were booking a place like that, I probably would have picked the future room. Over <laughs> Cove or whatever. Room, yeah. But when you get in there, you're like, whoa! I mean, I guess if you're not a happy couple, it's not going to be a good time. Right? <laughs> if you're not in the mood for spinning around on the rotating bed, it's not going to seem cool. Whoa. Where are we? Huh? We're inside a robot's vagina. There's no windows. Cool bed. Huh? Check this out. Whoa. The bed turns. Hey, did you see this? Hey. Hey, look at me. I don't think that there's a fridge. <laughs> hey, that's how they laugh in the future, like this. I thought the whole point of coming here was to have a night without kids. And all she wants to do is take a shower alone. I really felt yeah, that too. I, I did too, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> when you close the door, it means you want to be by yourself in the shower. Please just let her have a shower alone. Everything in the hotel is hard. It's so to uncomfortable watch. to watch. Yeah. <laughs> what I thought was interesting is when they show him talking to like the guys at work or whatever, the thing he says really early in the movie about like the difference of why men get married and why women get married. I feel like men are more romantic than women because we're resistant the whole way until we meet one girl and we think we'll be, I'd be an idiot if I didn't marry this girl. She's so great. But it seems like girls get to a place they just kind of pick pick the best option or something. Like men marry the one and women marry the one that they're dating when they're ready to get married, kind of. I mean, I really thought about that. Like how accurate is that? How common is that? But also they, it did turn out like that's sort of what happened with him. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely predicting his own future. Right. Yeah, I definitely don't know how common that is. I don't have that story. And I remember mm. having a conversation with my sister. How do you know? Is he the one or is he just the one that you're dating when you're 29? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was relatable to me. A yeah. lot of this was very relatable to me. He's very controlling in general. Like, I kind of had a problem with the way he made up Walter's room. Oh, I don't know. I like, again, that's another thing where I thought that was so sweet when I watched it 10 years ago. And now I'm like, dude. It was really like... assuming a lot. And he's like, yeah, if you don't like he... it, you could just take it down. Like, this man has just moved into he a nursing home. He's not going to take it down. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. The second time watching that with my mom and everything. Somebody with dementia, if you present these old things, you know, from that, sometimes that could go sideways with their their oh, feelings yeah. the guy could like start breaking down or something yeah, we don't see what happens with walter really. yeah i mean he just looks very confused and 
disoriented. He's so desperate for like a connection. I don't want to say he's pathetic, but he needs some kind of connection that I don't know if anybody could fill that void. I feel like he has very like, I'm a nice guy vibes. Oh no, I feel like we're talking about Dean too much. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a white guy podcast. Uh, I also kind of wondered like with Cindy, I wonder how much she resents herself thinking about how her life went and his behavior doesn't help, but also I wonder like how resentful is she of her choices. She seemed like she had dreams and- I mean, I guess that is like a hot problem for me about the movie is that we hear a lot from Dean about how he feels about things and we don't hear a lot from her. Like a lot of what's going on with Cindy, we have to glean from Michelle Lima's performance. And she does a fucking fantastic yeah. job. I feel like she really does convey a lot of information about how Cindy feels, but we could hear more. I would just like to hear from her more. Yeah. Right. I felt so sad just thinking about her character. There was nobody there to like help. Her. I mean, like there was a moment where her grandmother is like, you're smart. I think you should trust your feelings she's so young and she doesn't really have any it's just sad that she it's like you you are so smart yeah. you are so good she's not you ready are, to trust and it's feelings. like she, she doesn't feel that about herself and that is yeah. really hard she needs guidance she actually shouldn't trust her feelings in this case like how, <laughs> right. how she got into this mess she needs somebody to tell her think about long term and mm -hmm. picture yourself five years from now and don't rush into anything. <laughs> right, yeah. This is a very critical junction in your life. People just have this attitude like people should be tryhards doing all this stuff like she could have done this or she could have. But it's like, look at where she's starting from. She mm -hmm. has no sense of worth, you know, and that's a really big setback. It's like, you can't mm -hmm. just say like, she should have done. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I hate people saying like, oh, you, you should just bootstrap yourself through whatever. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's not how life is, <laughs> you know? I think she had a lot working against her. Definitely. Um, and how Joey Toronto was like her TA or something too. I'm sure that didn't help. Yeah, that was gross. Next call. So this movie, the director really wanted the leads. Like he had presented the script to both of them. It didn't get made until like seven years later. Oh, wow. It went through this whole roller coaster of Ryan Gosling is like, oh, I can play the young guy, but I don't believe myself as the dad who's mm -hmm. younger at that point. And then like Michelle Williams went on to have a baby and other stuff came up and she could never fit the movie in. He waited for Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams until they were available and she said that it helped being 27 instead of 20. Having a kid helped her play the role better. But God, I um, imagine. That's like a huge difference. It was important for the director to film the flashback scenes and then to have like a month in between filming of like mm. the present day. The budget of being able to hold those stars for that amount of time and he had them live together. I did read about that. They had like a domestic uh, situation for a month where they lived together in an apartment. Because of the amount a budget that that ate up they sacrificed having a lighting truck that's why there's no part of the movie where there's any lighting oh, which um, I thought was really interesting <laughs> because it's like a detail that you think is deliberate or like it somehow makes yeah. everything look more <laughs> yeah it's just like a sacrifice they made <laughs> that I thought was interesting that is interesting 
Ryan Gosling was saying that he met with some couples to talk about their relationship. One couple were arguing about this whole situation that had to do with the dishes, but it was more than just that the husband didn't do the dishes well. He explained it in a way that it's not about the dishes, it's about something else. You know, like Mm -hmm. he leaves the sponge like too wet and he does that to annoy me. I thought it was interesting the way, the way he described this one conversation that he had <laughs> mm-hmm. with a couple. It's like maybe like a mundane behavior. It doesn't mean anything, but... He knows how I feel about it and he does it anyway. Right, right. right. I thought that was interesting. It was like, oh man, I hope I don't do it. You know, it's just me. I'm like, oh, I hope you don't resent me the way that... <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. I like internalize these things. <laughs> But communication is so important. <laughs> I have lived where I feel like stuff like that is a deliberate communication to a person. Like, I want you to know that I don't care about your feelings. In a certain dynamic, that is communication in its own way. Yeah. You know? It's interesting because when I read about Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams living together, they said they struggle with real stresses of having to share a bathroom and <laughs> do dishes. And they lived on a budget of Jean's salary as a house painter and Cindy's as a nurse. Which they budgeted as $200 every two weeks, which still seems really low to me. It seems very low. Wow. Yeah. For a nurse? But this is in Pennsylvania 10 years ago, 11 years ago. That seems very low. Still seems low. <laughs> she just part-time or something? Maybe. I mean, she did seem to have, like, a little bit of a flexible schedule, but she was also on call. Which is also so fucked up when she leaves... Because she says, I'm on call, I can't go, I'm on call, and he makes her go anyway. They have a Cupid's Cove mm-hmm, available. I'm not going to some cheesy sex motel. I'm on call tomorrow. They remake this. I'm on call, call. I can't go. Hey, please, listen to me for a second. We have to get out of this house. Let's go get drunk and make love. Now, do you want Tina, the Cupid's Cove? Or do you want the future? Make a decision, please. I want to get in the car at 7.30 and drive for two hours. Okay, I'll make the decision. The future, then. And then she gets called in and has to leave, and he's mad at her for that. Oh, fuck that. What I was trying to say was when they lived together, Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling, they actually really bonded. Aww. (laughs) And Michelle Williams said she kept the wedding ring as a souvenir. That's so sweet. And the other reason, another thing that had delayed the start of production was that Heath Ledger died. Oh, so okay. she filmed this while she was probably still grieving. Yikes. So I'm sure there's a lot of that in her performance, too. Mm. And they were not together. They had right. like, already broken up, and they've co-parented a little girl. So I'm sure there was a lot of... Right. Yeah. And, wow. and Heath Ledger was a substance abuser, like a functional mm. substance abuser. So <laughs> I mean, right. she, hasn't, yeah. she hasn't discussed this really at length or anything. Yeah. But you, you know, there's a lot you can intuit there. <laughs> but it does seem like Brian Gosling and Michelle Williams developed a true bond because yeah. of she this and the way they shot it. It's interesting. So there's a little bit of patronizing bunny rabbits, but I kind of feel like it worked. All we want is to be treated like human beings, not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits. The method of having them live together mm-hmm. and live on that salary. Right. Well, and also when you do something like that, they're not living with the real stress of like trying to make it on, you know what I mean? Right. They like, know that they can go back to their real yeah. lives. Yeah. yeah. This is not like they have to be planning for the future. A $400 emergency can bankrupt us. What is this? The simple life they're doing? <laughs> you know, like there's not anything at stake here. Yeah. It's like known as poverty tourism. Right. <laughs> One patronizing buddy rabbits thing was that for all the argument scenes, see in France, 
Uh, see you in France. See you in France. I feel bad. Now, like, he'll be the one who listens to this. Like, Thanks, guys. We love your movie, Derek. Right. He gave instructions to Richard Williams and Ryan Gosling individually without the knowledge of the other, which Ooh. is that's the patronizing Buddy Rabbit's part. In order to create more tension between them, he told. Michelle Williams to try and leave the room in any way to break the argument. Do whatever you can to get out of the argument. And he told Ryan Gosling to do anything he can to get her attention. Wow. So that was like the dynamic in every argument. And I think you can really see that. <laughs> She's just like trying to lock herself in the bathroom and he's like, <laughs> That really worked. I thought that was very effective. I mean, I still don't know why you couldn't just tell them both together at the same time. I don't know why it has to be secretive like that, but... I mean, it wasn't like, as abusive as these sorts of methods usually are. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't saying hit her. <laughs> right. That's usually what it is. Just hit her. Yeah. That's how you make a woman act. I don't patronize bunny rabbits. Oh, I do have a Ryan Gosling hot prop. Oh, please don't make me hate Ryan Gosling. But I don't love this because that's one of my big problems with The Notebook, besides everything, but how it starts off with him trying to get a woman's attention by threatening suicide. Oh, yeah. And apparently, like, it was a Ryan Gosling ad-lib to climb the fence on the bridge. Oh, I hated that part so much. I know. Stop, 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 no, 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 stop, stop. You gonna tell me? No, stop, come down. You gonna tell me? Just come down, I'm not kidding you. You gonna tell me what it is? Come, please, come down. Come down, please, please stop. You wanna go over the edge? No, I want you to come down. Tell me what it come is. Come on, it's dangerous. You gonna tell me? No! No, stop! Please, come, come on, please, I'm pregnant. Stop, come back, please. Please come down. It's not cool, dudes. Don't Wait. do that. <laughs> I'm gonna let you just jump to your death right, if you right. try that shit What's on me. What's your long-term plan here? <laughs> this is Pennywise and Pound Foolish. <laughs> so all the direction in that scene was... He actually had them ad-lib a lot, and that scene was ad-libbed, and it was just like, she has a secret, and you want to know what it is, oh. you have to make her tell you. And so he was like, I'll threaten suicide. <laughs> He'd already... It worked in the notebook. Right. Oh, no! <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like such a red flag. I mean, yeah. anybody who punches a wall when they're upset, that's like, or punches something. Yeah, out, he's girl. got some <laughs> anger problems. Yeah. Especially when it didn't have, like, anything to do with him. They right. just met. Yeah. He was like, you're upset. They maybe fucked once. Right. Ugh. Like, can people just not want to talk about something? Like, she probably would have told him eventually because she came there to see him, but just, like, let her tell you in her own time. Don't mm-hmm. coax out of her by stressing her out. It's so fucked up. That's pretty big red flag there. Right. <laughs> Dino. The part where they come home to the grandparents and was like, I can't stop doing this. I can't stop. And, you know, you can't stop and I can't stop. And the way it all went down with the clinic, the fight, it just escalated so much. And she couldn't, like... It really did. Like, she... I didn't realize that part, like, where she was like, I'm on call. I thought, like, she just got a call from work and had to go to work. And apparently he had money to get a bus, but it's, like, a couple Mm -hmm. hours away. And him drinking, that doesn't help. But I can kind of see, like... You left me a couple hours away stranded. That would suck. It wasn't super cool, but... I don't blame her, but... Up night. I know, I know. Yeah. yeah. They had a fucked up night. She didn't even want to go. She said she was on call, and that's why she didn't want to go. She was like, it's yeah. a very real possibility that I will have to wake up early after getting fucked yeah. up. 
-hmm. and be three hours away from work. And then when she woke up, he was passed out on the floor. So I can totally see why she didn't want to be like, I have to wake you up and drive you home before I go to work. I mean, I really feel bad for him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the consequences of my actions. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I mean, yeah, but then she's like, she says something like, I'm more of a man than you are. Okay. Fuck you. Okay, you're Fuck you. Yeah, I'm more a man you than you are. You fucking cunt. I am. About being a man. I am. What I is can it handle shit it. Being a man? What, what is that? Yeah, well, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a man? Don't say it. Don't say that stuff. Be a man. What is that shit? I mean, don't. I'll be a man. You want me to be a man? Here you go. Stop it. Stop it. I'm a big man. He's like, what do you, what's that? Being a man? What is that? I didn't think that was cool of her, <laughs> but she's not good at expressing her feelings. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She kind of just lashes out instead of saying what, how she really feels about things. Yeah. Maybe it's because she doesn't really know. Mm-hmm. She might not be a very introspective person. Yeah. He's but I mean, he's 100% introspection, but with a blind spot. Yeah. Well, I just thought that was interesting. What does it mean to be a man? Like, what is, what is she saying? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I really just... understand what she's saying there. Is it manly to, like, go to work and yeah. be responsible? Because she definitely, I mean, her argument with him all the time is, like, he's not responsible. Yeah. He's, like, too much of a kid. It seems like she wants him to be more ambitious. The line that was really telling to me was, like, you have such capacity. I think that's kind of loaded. It doesn't seem like she thinks he's measuring up in that department. Mm-hmm. They're so on different pages. This needs to end. It was misery watching this at some point, so yeah. I'm just like, oh, rip the band-aid off, you mm-hmm. know? That's really what it is. They should not be together. These are people who are together so long past their expiration date. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And how he's yeah. to that. She probably would have left earlier if she thought that he would have taken it in any sort of normal way. But she knew that he wouldn't and clearly that's like what right. happened. I feel like she probably would have left him years before that if she wasn't worried about the aftermath. Yeah, and he kind of is holding her hostage with all the emotional labor. He's like, you made a promise, you made a promise. And she's like, sorry. You said it for better or worse. You said that. You said it was a promise. No, this is my worst. Okay, this is my worst. But I'm gonna get better. You just gotta give me a chance to get better. Does he ever it's t- say he's sorry? Does he ever say those words? I don't think I he don't does. Know. I can't think of a point where he he does. He definitely says like this is my worst. You know, he's like for better or for worse, and this is my worst. Is that like the closest he comes to saying I'm sorry? Yeah, I don't think probably. He's I feel like that's not an apology. That's a, this is what you signed up for. Right. Again, putting it on her. Yeah. <laughs> you won't take responsibility for anything. That's the closest he comes. Ugh, right. Like, even his whole thing of acting like, there's nothing wrong. Like, I'm happy being married to you. The inference is, like, it's somehow a failure on her part that she's not also happy. What's your problem? <laughs> I know. I hope that she's okay. <laughs> 
you know, they got divorced. I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> yeah, but she obviously has uh, so many other things to deal with too. Her career woes. Plus, she's now fired. Oh right. Is she gonna be able to get another job? Is that shitty boss gonna keep her from getting another job somewhere? Because mm. he's gonna refuse to give her a recommendation. What's gonna happen to her? Yeah, this could use yeah. like a 10 years later sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not going to be able to give much of an alimony on his painter salary, probably. Right. And her parents still suck, and she doesn't really have any support system anymore. Yeah. I love how when she comes back to get her daughter, and the dad is like, what's going on? And she's like, I don't want to talk to you. You okay? I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, yes, don't talk to that asshole. It's not going to help. Right, exactly. Like, how is he going to have any helpful advice? Like, <laughs> yeah. He's behaving like you. That's a problem. Um, well, does anybody have any meaningful passages? Oh, right. oh. yeah. <laughs> I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. He's like, are you going to die? And she says, definitely. And he says, well, with that kind of attitude. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dummy for dying. Oh, Walter's a dummy for dying. Yeah. What are you going to do, wise guy? Not do it. You're going to die? Definitely. Hmm? What'd you say? He said definitely. What was that kind of attitude? Yeah. Don't do it. It's for suckers. Don't do it. What are you gonna do? Just not do it. That was very funny. That is kind of a cute conversation. Yeah, like that whole conversation <laughs> and then even though he's kind of negging, like you're so beautiful you'll never know if you have a good personality because people will just always be charmed by you. In my experience, the prettier a girl is, the more nuts she is. Which makes you insane. You're probably nutty cuckoo crazy. It's not your fault, you know? Everybody treats you different, you know? Like you make jokes and they're not funny, but people laugh anyway, and it's gotta make you nuts. I like how you can compliment and insult somebody at the same time, in equal measure. That's like some hardcore negging. But then when she does the child molester joke, like, damn. So there's a child molester and a little boy walking into the woods. Child molester. The little boy keep walking further and further and it's getting darker and darker and they're going deeper and deeper into the woods. The little boy looks up at the child molester and he says, gee, mister, I'm getting scared. And the child molester looks down at him and says, you think you're scared, kid? I gotta walk out of here alone. <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> I did too. I feel like I, I've told jokes that have just fallen so flat. Like, <laughs> like uh, I heard this before and people laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like the whole conversation when she's telling him about running into Joey Toronto. Yes. And we just says, he asked me how I was, and he goes, and you told him? <laughs> you talked it? No, I mean, like, hi, bye, how are you? Fine, good, how are you? How are you? Yeah, he asked me how I was. And you told him? I really liked that. Does oh. that guy just, like, not know at all that, that he has a child oh, out no, there in the world? Oh, he does. I'm sure he does. Okay. I was not clear on that. Well, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought I was, <laughs> but now I'm not. Now that you know what else is. Because he asks... I mean, I guess I'd have to rewatch that scene. Oh, he's so shitty to her. Like... He's terrible. I mean, he... Wow, he still wants to hit that. What are you doing? Well, he's just abusive also. I mean, right. He's got a history of 
These are dudes. I almost thought it was like he wanted to proposition her or something. You're still faithful to him? Oh, yeah, I definitely thought that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Being I was... skeezy. Yeah. And abusive. I've been here, stayed here, never left here. Here's good. Here's good. Uh, married? Married. Married. That's crazy. Yeah. Lucky guy. <laughs> Have you been faithful to him? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a strange question to ask somebody you haven't seen in forever. Yeah, well, I, you know. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, you have, I or you haven't. Yes, I have, and I have, I have been. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking at you like anything. He's being all kinds of things at once. He's trying to be sexually threatening, basically. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> but then she responds in such a weird way to him in the conversation. She's like, he was fat. I wish you'd seen him. I wish you'd, you'd, you wouldn't feel so bad. He's fat. Why care? I don't know. Why care if he's fat or not? What does that mean? Make me feel better. I don't better. know, because he's a loser. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that part. <laughs> He's... He has a good point of like, is that supposed to make me feel better? <laughs> Why did you say he was fat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that conversation. Yeah. I like what she said. I like how you can compliment somebody and insult them at the same time. Yeah. Cool measure. That is, I mean, that's what nagging is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite line was, pack your bags, baby. You're going to the future room. <laughs> pack your bags, baby. We're going to the future it's hilarious. I mean, a lot of my favorite lines of hers are how she delivered them. Like, I really liked when she said, can I see my friend in the abortion clinic? Do you want to put your things back on? Can I see my friend? Sure, honey. I really liked that. And when she said, I'm so out of love for you. You're a fucking asshole. You can call me stupid. I'm so out of love with you. I've got nothing left for you. Nothing. 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 There is nothing here for you. There is nothing here for you. I don't, don't love you. Say I don't I don't. Don't you say stuff you can't take back. You fucking asked for it. You asked me. <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's why I just wanted her to say more. Michelle Williams is one of my very favorite She's so actors. good. She just has true star quality. She's not necessarily like the most beautiful woman, but I mean, not that she's not. You just cannot take your eyes off her like, when she's on screen. Yeah, absolutely. I liked the line when he says, I've seen too many movies, because again, that reminded me of say anything maybe i've seen too many movies you know love at first sight but the thing is man it's like i felt like i knew her you know you ever get that feeling it's a feeling but actually you really don't know her. there's this chuck clusterman essay that i have never forgotten <laughs> where he talks about how john kizak ruined romance is what he says <laughs> and basically how he like taught a generation the fucked up idea of romance and what romance is. <laughs> and he's like, I blame John Cusack for all of this. <laughs> and that is what's going on with Dean. Like, he really is brainwashed by movie romance and mm -hmm. can't see reality. And anytime it's not going the way he thinks it should, he blames other people instead of himself. Like the two things, when he said, I know I'm not good enough for you, but nobody is. You know I'm not good enough for you. It's true. It's true. It is true, but here's oh, the thing. Oh, but nobody is. You know? So as long as that's the case, I want the job. 
And then when he says, you got to give me a chance to get better, again, it's like, mm. always on her. Like, you have to give me a chance. Like, what's been going on all this time? <laughs> exactly, you had five years. You can just get better. You know? I know. I like how his, his co-worker at the moving company, he's just, like, listening to him lament about love and his co-worker's like... If you get a little pussy, I think all the mutinous will go away from you. I read that down too. I, really like that I thought that was hilarious. Because that guy's just like, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm just done listening to this guy. That's really what I <laughs> <laughs> I liked the line and felt it really hard that nobody in my family talks. When they talk, they just yell. You love your grandma. Yeah, she makes me laugh. Nobody else talks about them. When they talk, they just yell. Brought me back to childhood. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. nobody in my family talked. Very true. I mean, I always find that extremely tragic in movies when a character realizes they were trying to avoid being in a relationship like their parents had, and then they ended up in that same exact situation. Yeah. To me, that's, like, just the biggest fucking tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, I like the way she said you just twist it when they're having that argument, you know? <laughs> she's like, anything she says... He twists into somehow like it's an attack on him when she's just trying to explain how she feels. We rarely sit down and have an adult conversation because every time we do, you take what I say and you turn it around into something that I didn't mean. You just twist it. I mean, that was just super insightful because in general, it seems like they don't have a lot of insight, I guess, on how they treat each other. Mm-hmm. She really called it there. Mm-hmm. That's definitely what's happening. I liked when Dean's talking about, well, you don't want Frankie to grow up in a broken home. And, and she's like, I don't want her to grow up in a home where her parents treat each other like this. That was a good line. So true. Like, you don't need to stick it out for it's a worse. child. It's not just yeah. that it's okay. Right. It's when, like that it's actually more damaging for a kid. Right. When someone says something, it's like, what do you think is happening here? Like, yeah. <laughs> the house is intact, yeah. but it's broken already. Yeah. I definitely, like, that's my two favorite things about this movie is that it seems pro-divorce and pro-abortion. <laughs> like, you don't get a lot of that right. in movies. <laughs> if you can't get an abortion, then get a divorce. Right. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? This movie seems so unique. And I remember thinking, I've not seen a movie like this before. I'd never really seen sex scenes the way that they are in this movie, where everything's just really sad and they don't want, you know, like it's just. Really uncomfortable. It's a really uncomfortable sex scene, you know? (laughs) It was the first kind of movie where I felt like I haven't seen anything like that in a movie before. Yeah, and what's so interesting too is that. The only reason that they wanted to give it an NC-17 rating is because of the scene where he goes down on her. Oh, I know. That's so crazy. They're like, no, not the, the abusive sex scene in the hotel is fine, but <laughs> can't let a woman have just a regular orgasm through oral sex. Yeah, and there's no nudity in that either, in that scene. <laughs> I know. It's, the MPA is so fucked. And Ryan Gosling lashed out about, like, he was like, this is misogynistic, what oh, they're yes. doing. Yeah. yeah. Like, a woman enjoying oral sex, is it too real or something? Like, what are they... They would rather see a woman getting shot than getting licked. Right, like exactly. <laughs> than, than having pleasurable sex. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The way they shot the scene in the hotel was really interesting, I thought. Because they had two cameras... At the same time, one trained on each actor during the scene. That's unusual. Oh, wow. And so that's why when they cut back and forth between those 
angles, it seems, it kind of makes it seem more violent because the cameras are both basically from the same direction but facing different angles. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So it's, like, you don't think too much about, in general, how much, like, the way a film is edited makes you feel, but it does contribute to your sort of disorientation and, and it makes it more upsetting to watch. Yeah, and she obviously does not want to have sex, and it's like, oh, I don't want to watch, or, you know, what is going to happen here? This is so uncomfortable. Well, it's interesting, because she doesn't want to do it, and he kind of makes her, and then she's like, okay, well, let's do it this way, and he's like, no, I won't do it like that. I don't want to hurt you. It's like... like, you already have hurt me, because you coerced me into sex I didn't want to have. Right. (laughs) There's a lot going on. So she's, like, going to mentally just check out and like get it over with her he's like on top of her like what else is she so hard to orchestrate this romance but in a really like kidnappy kind of way right it's it's really very crazy yeah (laughs) i mean it really did i was really having like a lot of room vibes when i was watching that that scene you know like the Larson movie oh god i did not see that It's a whole new light there. Yeah. <laughs> and just the I fact forgot, that there was what's no... the name of the guy in the room? His name is Old Nick. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Oh, the character's yes. name? Oh, God. Yeah, just the fact that, especially the fact that she, when she said this room has no windows, I was like, holy shit, like that never dawned on me when I first saw it, that that was so much more of a prison. So this was called a lunchtime poll. What did we decide? We didn't. We have not decided. We didn't decide. Coin toss and let's jump I'm feeling hidden talent. (laughs) I, I, yeah. Totally cool. That was my favorite scene. Was yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's the only. Yeah. Like, how could it not be your favorite scene, right? It's the only lighthearted scene oh. in the movie, really. You got any like talents? Like hidden talents? Uh. Washington Adams, Jefferson Madison, Monroe Adams, Jackson Van Buren, Harrison Tyler, Pumpkin Taylor. That's all the presents. Um, and he's just so good at like the, I don't know, I love his voice. I can't really sing. I have to sing goofy in order to sing, like I have to sing stupid. You always heard the ones you love, the one you shouldn't hurt at all. Have you guys heard the Dead Man's Bones? Yes, songs? I love Dead Man's Bones. I have that. Oh record. my god, that he, yeah. I'm a he's huge got... Ryan Gosling stan. Giving tree tattoo, notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know why I didn't know that that was his real tattoo until now, and I'm still very excited about it. But yeah, this is leading up to the lunchtime bowl. Mm-hmm. The scene we all love is when they impromptu do like a little musical interlude in the street, and it's very cute. And Ryan Gosling is walking around with his ukulele and Michelle Williams tap dances and BTS on that is that Derek C and France next Tuesday told them (laughs) to keep their talents hidden from each other so that when they did the scene their talents would be revelations to each other and so that's what happens oh I guess she has two she does the president song and then she also tap dances a little bit oh right okay she's a soft (laughs) shoe she's so cute I know (laughs) they're both adorable that's why it's easy to watch this movie with blinders, because they're both so cute and charming in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but they're playing these characters. I feel like that would be so hard if they're getting along so well. Like, how do they get into 
character and hate each other on well, they're screen good or actors. something. Yeah, they're, they're great actors. actors. I mean, that, I they're just... both incredibly terrific actors. Yeah. And I think they're both good people in real life. That helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the best actors, I feel like, are really good people who are also good at complicated problematic people i feel like that's such a that's such bullshit that like people talk about brilliant actors and like they're assholes and how tormented and but they're assholes and it's like you don't have to be an asshole to be a brilliant actor you know like i know and i love how like ryan gosling is kind of anti-met they're both kind of not anti. I mean, Michelle Williams isn't anti-method, but she's definitely more like, I don't have time to do that shit. I have a daughter. I have to, like, live my life. Right. And yeah. my was kind of like, eh, it's just like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my favorite thing yeah. about Robert Pattinson, too. Oh, God, I love him. How he was yeah. like, if you feel the need to be in character 24-7 and you're playing a problematic person, doesn't it make you kind of an asshole? Uh, right, <laughs> yeah. right. So you never hear someone <laughs> being method and being, like, very lovely character, and yeah. I'm going to be in character all the time. <laughs> man ryan gosling he just like has that i watched the new mickey mouse club um i did i watched that after school when i was a kid he just always had that star quality he and emma stone were in some other movies crazy stupid love oh yeah it's another movie that i like would normally not like at all and i liked that movie i wouldn't say love that movie but i liked it i was very pleasantly surprised he he kind of he said he did that movie as sort of a palate cleanser from this movie like coming off of it he's like i'm gonna do a comedy now because this was so (laughs) intense i imagine yeah Yeah. somewhere in between that and la la land there was like a blind item they did a movie together there was like a bunch of guys and she was the only woman and it was like a nightmare on set like constantly harassing her and he was like her safe Mm. haven i mean he's definitely one of those actors where i feel like it's he's gonna be like the last person we hear a me too about right right gangster squad I don't even know what that is. is I don't know either. I saw that movie. I, oh, I think I might have reviewed that movie. Actually. Is that like a mob movie yeah. or something? Okay, it's pretty bad. The cast. Ryan, ugh, Ryan Gosling, good. Josh Brolin, Sean Penn, <sighs> Giovanni Ribisi, oh. Nick Nolte. This is murderers. No. Oh my god, no, god. no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it was a terrible set. So basically, the blind item was like the two of them holed up together for the entire shoot because everybody else was a nightmare. Ruben Fleischer was the director of this. They were love interests in that movie, too, so I guess that probably made it easier. They had one-on-one scenes together. Yikes. I know. Super yikes. Well, anyways, that was all to say (laughs) that our lunchtime (laughs) pool today is what hidden talent would you break out on a first date? Not that it's a hidden talent. You don't know somebody very well. What's something that you can do that pleasantly surprise another person you're getting to know i don't get the opportunity because there aren't a lot of pianos lying around but i can play piano that's awesome i I still have the muscle memory for maple leaf rag that's rad so anytime i come across a piano i try to i'm I'm sort of losing it but i had a lot of songs i like to play like i had some mozart and the maple leaf rag that was my favorite one to play i I remember that song yeah or would I know it if I heard it? It's Scott Joplin. It's like, you have to have like really, I mean, my hands aren't that big, but you have to like, there's like octaves you have to hit. And I really, like as a teenager, like, I remember like, oh, my hands aren't big enough to play this. It took a long time, but. That's rad. That's a good one. I'm like, Find you a piano. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want to take piano lessons again. 
get a keyboard or something. Yeah, my teacher was really awesome. She was the organist at our church. Her name was Janet. My mom would take me to Janet's every Monday after school and she was really cool. I never learned music theory or anything. I would just hear songs and be like, I want to learn this. Can you teach me? <laughs> I brought her the sheet music to a Wilson Phillips song and she taught me how to play <laughs> Release Me on the oh, piano. Uh, I'm gonna ask. I realized recently that two of my skills are tied together. We were talking about sushi, my family, and my daughter Lulu was like, have you ever made sushi? And I was like, yeah, I've made sushi a lot of times. And I've actually made it for you before, but you might not remember because it was a while ago. And she's like, it seems like it'd be really hard to roll the sushi. And I was like, yeah, I'm really good at rolling sushi. And she goes, is it like how you're good at rolling cigarettes? <laughs> she called me rolling a joint one time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess it's the same skill set. Like, I can roll a drum tobacco cigarette, and I can roll a joint. And I can roll a sushi is like rolling a big joint. <laughs> I can roll tight tubes. Nice. One of my, nice. One of my skills like is, with sleeping bags or camping gear? Is that? I do do all that shit too. Bag? Yeah, I roll up all of our mm. like inflatable mattresses and things. Yeah, I think it's all, it's all part of the same kind <laughs> of rolling. compression finger work. I can do that. I can roll things into tight tubes. <laughs> you can bust that out on a date. <laughs> I guess so, in some way. Well, I mean, I've never been a couple times when, like, that was definitely a thing in the past where there'd be guys who smoke drum tobacco and you try to bum a cigarette from them. They're always like, only if you can roll your own. And it's usually like, they expect you to be like, oh, I can't do it. Oh. And then I would take it and I'd do it and be like, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> and I definitely shocked a couple dudes that way. <laughs> oh, this is hard. I've always like been pretty decent at doing impressions of people, but I would never bust that out. I would only <laughs> do that in context. Like if I was telling a story and I would imitate someone. And there's like so many random people that I've known in my life that sometimes I'll like tell this story. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing like such a killer impression of this person. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> but I would never bust that out. You're so good at Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Or like everyone we've ever seen on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say two things, I guess. I mean, they're not that exciting. But in like junior high, when we read Hamlet, like I memorized the to be or not to be speech. Oh. And I still remember it. Yeah, that's a great one. That was a good one, yeah. Or then I was thinking of one time, there was some game like Cranium or something, where there's like a bunch of different things you're supposed to do. I think it was Cranium, but I remember playing it with a bunch of people. But there's a thing where sometimes you have to spell things backwards. Oh. And I was like so champ at that like I could do it like I could spell it as fast as I could spell something forward that's like, amazing that's kidding. amazing I remember Aaron being so impressed like every time yeah. it was like a turn like that it's a thing I was surprisingly <laughs> adept at was doing like, cool. spelling things backwards that's that hard that surprising because that is very difficult yeah I couldn't do it without writing it out. I'm very, very really? visual. I'm extremely visual. I could, yeah, me too. I have to, like, I have to do that with math. Write it out. I have terrible math in my head. Oh, yeah, me too. How very. Okay, those are cool. I like that. <laughs> that, that was an upbeat one. Greetings and salutations. Yep. We've already done Pennsylvania again. Another movie ah. that takes place in Pennsylvania. <laughs> what else took place in Pennsylvania? Wait, wait, no. no I want to Nothing else, but we oh. just... <laughs> Oh, we did it because of Norm, right? Yeah. We, we can say hi to Norm again. <laughs> Norm! Hi, Norm! You get a weekly shout-out, Norm. <laughs> we love you. And your kitties. Pennsylvania is a big market for us. I guess Massachusetts is the closest to yeah. Pennsylvania. 
was true. So, and I re- referenced my old friend Amy O, who made the joke about me having to be dragged down the aisle. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. She lives it. Oh well, she doesn't live there anymore. She, oh. but she was my friend from Boston. But I think she lives in upstate New York now. Okay, well, it's not, yeah, it's all close together there. <laughs> we'll do Massachusetts. Hello, hey, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. My uncle lives there. Oh, I right. doubt he's listening, but maybe my cousins, if yeah. they are. Hello. I don't think I know any. I lived there. I lived in Boston, but I don't really know anyone there. My cousin Vicky is in Cambridge. She's okay. listened to a couple episodes. Does she go to school in Cambridge? No, she's not. She's an elementary school teacher. Ah, cool. Hi, Vicky. And I think some of our listens came from Matt and Brandy before they moved to Rhode Island. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They're so nice. Oh, yeah. I, love I, I don't know them personally, but I like... You don't? I like oh. only know them through social media. But they are so nice. They are, Yeah. My husband and I always referred to them as the good time gang. <laughs> and they always had such good ideas for hanging out and parties and things to do. And Aww. they both had really cool bands that I loved. It was really nice to go see their bands. It was refreshing when it was like, I'm going to see my friend's band. And it wasn't like, oh, I have to go see my friend's band. It was like, I get to go see my friend's nice. band again. Yeah. <laughs> they were both great. Brandy's in <laughs> a Wayne's World cover band. Oh, yeah. Vaberham. That's so cool. Like, I wish I could have known them in real life. They played yeah. their they first seem show really at my cool. house. Which was oh, wow. Exciting. That's awesome. And then Matt was in two really great bands. And my favorite of them was called Franklin and Bash, the band. <laughs> Oh my god. And it was lawyer bro themed. That was really funny. I love their high concept. That's, yeah. Good times. And then, of course, Matt is the amazing artist, two things. And we all have two things paintings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're great. So I think a lot of our downloads are from them. Which is especially a huge compliment coming from Brandy because she doesn't see that many movies. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the way you're like, I don't watch a lot of TV. She doesn't watch a lot ah, of movies. Okay. She's like, I've watched Wayne's World a thousand times. And then <laughs> that's a really good reason for her to watch a movie that's not Wayne's World. <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway, hi Massachusetts, we love you. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we are joined by special guest Laura Lawrence to discuss Colin Higgins' 1980 comedy, Nine to Five, starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid and Puke Seattle, or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if I were old. your heart last night it's because I love you most lick it up baby lick